When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. Hello, everyone. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. We are coming to you live on Sunday, April 23rd. We are both wearing black for some we reason. Uh, we it's a, it's a sad, sad day. That's we are why. mourning ah. the Cubs' first series loss in a while. Uh, ah. The Cubs drop three of four to the Dodgers. Uh, we will get into all things in this series, uh, as Brendan and I have been doing. Uh, it's you know kind of a weekly recap, so looking back at the week that was of Cubs baseball, but I think it'll obviously be heavy on these four games with the Dodgers, the Cubs, dropping three of four here at Wrigley Field after taking two of three in Los Angeles. So they do lose the season series. Uh, disappointing. We will talk about that. We will talk about Drew Smiley's near-perfect outing at beautiful, historic Wrigley Field. Uh, Marcus Stroman finally uh, with a not-so-great outing here on Sunday. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about Hayden Wisniewski's start uh, and let the pitch doctor, Dr. Brendan Miller, here break down everything that the Cubs uh, rookie starter is doing. We will talk about Nico Horner killing it oh, yeah. in the oh, leadoff yeah. spot. Nico Wigo. We'll talk Ooh. about Seiya Suzuki looking really good since he has come back uh, from the injured list. We'll talk about Michael Fulmer. I'm sure the chat wants us to talk about Michael Fulmer and some of the bullpen stuff. And we will also talk about uh, the roster construction again. Um, you know, we've talked about it before, but you know, Luis Torrens, Edwin Rios, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I am sure that uh, everybody wants to talk about that. But Brendan, in general, right, like the team is 12 and 9, even dropping this series with the Dodgers. Dodgers are a good team. We talked about it doesn't look like their roster in the past. It's not necessarily as loaded as we have seen them. Uh, but it's it's still a good Dodgers team. You do still have to pitch to Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman every day, Max Muncy, James Outman now. Um, so a disappointing series. You definitely feel like you could have earned a split, if not more here. Uh, but overall, after this week, after a sweep of the A's and, and this three of four, how are you feeling about the 2023 Chicago Cubs? Overall, I still feel pretty confident. They're exceeding my expectations early on. I mean, you're seeing even that uh, represented in the uh, projected standings. Right now, they've been boosted by about three wins from the mid-70s. Now on fan graphs, they're projected to win 80 games, right? So still below 500, but they're moving that needle forward. And their run differential going into Sunday's game, number one in the National League, the Chicago Cubs, the best run differential in the National League that's spearheaded by the top of the order with Nico doing well, Dansby getting on base, Sale looking good, 
then supplemented by the middle of the order with wisdom going yard and then quality starting pitching atop the rotation. So overall, they're hitting like the 90th percentile projections on so many of their guys. You have to be encouraged. Of course, going three and four or rather one and three in this series is going to leave a little bit of a damper going into the week. But overall, if you were to tell me, you know, 12 and nine going into the third week of baseball, I would have been ecstatic. Yeah, and there there is a lot to like on this team. You know, their offensive ratings, um, you know, through parts of this week, and obviously it's going to fluctuate. There's still go- games going on on Sunday as we talk about this, but just really high. You know, the Cubs had a tweet the other day that they were the first in the National League in several categories. They're up at the top uh, of baseball in run differential. Um, you know, I think them and the Tampa Bay Rays. It, it's... I think overall it was a fine week, right? They took care of business in Oakland, which is something that this team has to do, right? They have to eat up bad teams, and that Oakland team is bad. But it's hard not to be a little disappointed, I think, after this this weekend. It, it just was a winnable series, and certainly a split was on the table. And I think you you let it get away from you a little bit. And I, you know, I see it in our YouTube chat. Um, already, you know, there's a lot of questions, so it's, it's, you know, we, we appreciate everybody joining on YouTube. If you're listening you. uh, on your podcast feed later, we appreciate you as well. If you are on YouTube watching live, hop in those comments, throw us a thumbs up. If you don't mind, it helps us uh, reach some other Cubs fans. Uh, we appreciate that. So Brendan, let's dive into just some of the, the player specifics, yes. um, I want to talk uh, first about Drew Smiley uh, and his outing the other day. And not only the outing the other day, but just what he has done um, in his time as a Cub. You know, you go back to last year when he came back. He's just been really good. And he struggled uh, in spring training this year that I think had some people asking questions. Uh, but he has just been really good outside of that first start this year. He has been really, really good for the Cubs. How is he, how is he doing it? And what did you think as you were watching, uh, that near perfect game the other day? (laughs) Well, I almost got fired from my, you know, other job. I had to leave a meeting early. I'm like, there's no way I'm going to miss a potential perfect game. So out the door I go, you know, emergency and ended up not working, but worth the risk. Smiley's doing more or less what he's done for the past few years. And I think Jan Gomes summed it up perfectly why he's so good. Unlike most pitchers, Smiley has one, a weird sequencing effect to his repertoire, but two, his curveball is, is very weird. It does not rate well. You're not going to see it on stuff graders rating exceptionally high, but he almost has two different types of curveballs, as Jan Gomes said. The curveball doesn't really move as you may hope a curveball to move. It has some gyro action to it, but it can be used as like a changeup. It can be used as a whiff pitch with more break if they want to use it as such. So he's using that pitch the majority of the time. You can pitch backwards, and hitters don't get good swings off of it. With Smiley, because that stuff isn't, as heavy as you might see from like Alzali or Wisniewski or Justin Steele, Smiley still has this really fine-tuned command and these unique pitches, but he has perhaps a thin margin for error because his stuff isn't heavy. So he has 
to hit the edges of the strike zone. And when he does, and as he's done uh, so far in his past few starts, this is the results you get. You get limited runs, you get awkward swings, you get a walk per nine in his past couple of starts here of like one batter per game. And going forward, this is exactly the picture the Cubs hoped they would get, and then some. Just a matter of him still keeping that command and not leaking his pitches over the plate, which some other starters have done for the Cubs. Overall, it's good to see. I will say, like, the first start got shelled a little bit. You see all these shiny toys in the Cubs rotation. You see all the heavy stuff these guys have. I can't help but think, you know what, like, even in those short, you know, mishaps, what if, what if you move Smiley to the bullpen and you give some of these other guys a chance? But he's a veteran. He eases in. He has unique pitches, and he he trusts uh, Jan Gomes behind the dish, and Jan Gomes trusts him on the mound. It's a good relationship those two have. Yeah. So Smiley at in his last three starts. So obviously, you, you know, you can't remove a start completely, but taking out his first start, uh, he's faced Seattle and then the Dodgers twice, 18 and a third, seven hits, two earned runs, 20 strikeouts, and three walks in those three starts. He's there been great. Go. And I love to the, I look, I don't think they were throwing. Um, I don't think they were throwing him out on the ball that broke up the perfect game. I don't think if either of them feel it, I think that's Jan's ball. I don't think if either of them feel it, it it's a tough play regardless. So I, I don't really care about it. As Smiley was leaving the mound, they're all smiling and laughing. So I, I don't care, right? The media I was not smiling. To, I was the, very the sad. wanted to make that a big thing about, oh, the catcher, right? And the, the Cubs didn't care, right? They were having a good time. They won the game. Um, but I loved in the post game, and we heard this all last year when we were trying to make sense of the Wilson Contreras decision, right? We heard all last year, Kyle Hendricks said it, Justin Steele said it, I think Hayden Wisniewski said it, and then you heard it from Drew Smiley in the post game after his start the other day, talking about just how good Jan Gomes is behind the plate. Um, and he talked specifically about how good he is at calling pitches and how he never feels like he have to, has to shake Jan off. He's so good at reading hitters and keeping them off balance and just has that feel behind the plate for how to call a game. And I, I just love hearing that, right? Like the Cubs obviously made uh, a pretty controversial decision, right? To move on from Wilson Contreras and go with, uh, you know, we, we, we've said these defense first guys, but Jan is blasting home runs off Clayton yeah. Kershaw, right? Um, and, you know, I think you continue to hear this from every single pitcher on this staff that Jan Gomes is just really good at his job. And when you watch him almost throw a perfect game against – a, a very good Dodgers lineup, you, you know, sort of see a, a Dodgers lineup that takes walks, that hits homers. You saw it all series, right? And Smiley shut him down. And that is uh, not, you know, something that Jan Gomes didn't contribute to. He was a very heavy factor there. So I, I do love that. Uh, loving what we're seeing from Drew Smiley. Um, and yeah, we, we have a, a, a chat on, on YouTube from Steven and he says, love being able to lose a series and still be above 500. The vibes are still good Enjoy and yeah it. i think like that's we're, we're gonna get into this i see a, a a youtube comment uh from kyle m how can this team continue to roster torrens rios madrigal and fulmer we have morel mervis and flamethrowers in iowa let's ignite the lineup completely agree and we're gonna get to that uh i just I, 
I, I like to focus on the positives, <laughs> at least to start, right? And dig into some of this stuff. But yes, we are going to talk about all of this roster construction stuff uh, at some point over the course of the next hour. Trust yeah. me, we will get to it. Uh, and as I said, if you are watching us live on YouTube, on the CHGO Sports YouTube, please drop your comments, questions, feedback, et cetera. Uh, we, will, we are reading it. We will get to it. Thank you. Um, I do want to anything. I don't think I have anything on Marcus Stroman. He on Sunday, um, you know, it's his first non-quality start of the year. He has been absolutely great for this team so far. Uh, he gets bit by the home run ball, Mookie Betts, uh, Max Muncy, and JD Martinez. All things considered, right? Uh, five innings, six hits, five earned, one walk, and five strikeouts. He gets bit in that sixth inning, so he was really close to another quality start and a, another effort shutting down this Dodgers lineup. All things considered, Brendan, in a game where he gets the thousandth strikeout of his MLB career, getting taken deep by Mookie Betts, Max Muncy, who I believe is now the MLB home run leader with 11, and J.D. Martinez, like, okay, right? It's going to happen yeah. sometimes. Stroh has been great. You know, he got beat by some really good hitters today. He did. I thought he looked good. I was a little apprehensive about him even going through the sixth after he walked the leadoff guy. You saw Hughes getting up pretty fast. I'm thinking to myself, you know what? Like, this is dangerous. Like, third time through the order. Muncy's coming up. Heavy lefty lineup right there. J.D. Martinez has been doing better recently. So my thought was, man, like, after that leadoff walk, I wish the bullpen was just hot a little bit earlier. And I wonder what the game would have looked like if Hughes just got in one or two batters earlier. So in one sense, I like Ross trusting that veteran mm -hmm. in Stroman and giving him the opportunity. And for the most part, we'll get into the whole Fulmer situation, but for the most part, I think Ross has been acceptable in some of his quick hooks. He's had, he's had a quick hook for a lot of guys, and, and I do appreciate that. Uh, with Strowman's a delicate situation, but separate from the sixth inning, he threw about 20% sliders and then about 15% cutters. And those pitches were moving pretty significantly to complement that heavy dominant sinker that you've been seeing. The one area for Marcus that I, that I think would benefit him going forward is just upticking that velocity a little bit more still early. It's nothing to be concerned about, but he's down by about one mile per hour compared to last year. Again, it's early cold weather. Marcus has that history, that track record, nothing to freak out about. But I think as that velocity goes up, even one mile per hour is pretty significant. And then the splitter can play better off that. And as uh, his, his cutter and his slider can play better off that as well. But overall, I mean, command has been exceptional and he continues to do very well. Yeah, we're going to talk about, you know, I think David Ross, some of David Ross's decisions, uh, especially in the game on Sunday, uh, going forward here in this episode. I think with Stroh, I, I, I see what you mean, right, getting through that Dodgers lineup the third time. Um, but I, I think with the way that Stroh has pitched, I think if this is a playoff game, maybe David Ross is more aggressive in going to the bullpen there and playing those matchups. I think in a start in April when Stroh has been rolling, he's going to give Marcus the chance to try yeah. to get through that sixth inning. Yeah. I mean, I don't hate it. Like yeah. I under, there's enough gray area where it makes sense to keep him in, but like, I don't know, as you said, in a playoff situation, like I... Maybe in my mind, I treat these games like with a high degree of urgency. I would have probably yes. taken them out, but I understand why he didn't get taken out. I'm, I'm yes, we will. Uh, I yeah. promise you be talking about urgency. It's uh, the topic du jour Ooh, on Sunday God. here uh, on Cubs Twitter. Um, 
I want to talk about Nico Horner. Before we hit our first ad break here, I'm assuming you want to talk about Nico Horner. Yeah. And I want to focus on on some of the really, you know, positive stuff and and just what is trending right because we'll we'll get into again a lot of that stuff that that Kyle brought up in that YouTube comment earlier, the roster construction, uh, Michael Fulmer in in certain situations, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but ultimately, you know, again, like the team is 12 and 9. Uh, overall, I think a pretty good week, even if this series felt winnable uh, or at least splittable and, and it was frustrating. Um, but Brendan, I mean, Nico Horner, just a- an incredible start to this season. We have kind of joked that the Cubs should extend him again. Um, yeah. And I, I, they really should just extend him again. So he gets yeah. on base again on Sunday. He's now gotten on base in 19 straight games, which is the <laughs> longest streak of his career. And he has gotten on base in 20 of 21 games for the Chicago Cubs uh, to start this 2023 season. Overall, he's now hitting 355 with a 400 on base percentage and a 473 slug. That, of course, good for an 873 OPS. That translates to a 141 WRC plus or 41% better than a league average hitter. Um. Just just an incredible start to the season, and I, I also see uh, our guy Ryan Herrera. Uh, you can follow him, of course, at Ryan underscore A underscore Herrera for all of your article and writing needs at allchgo.com. Love you, Ryan. Uh, just really impressive from Nico that he was put into this leadoff spot, right? And that's how he responds. Like we we've we've gone through this exercise with Cubs hitters for literal years now of can they be the leadoff hitter? Did they find their leadoff hitter? Why did this person's performance crater when they were asked to be the leadoff hitter? And Nico has responded by getting on base in almost literally every game. His approach looks incredible. He's using the whole field. He's hitting homers. You know, I'm I'm gushing over Nico. I can't even imagine how you feel. I'm, I'm getting a little dizzy over here looking at these numbers, Corey. <laughs> but like, uh, if you go to his baseball savant page, I mean, if you, if you like percentiles, who does not like a percentile? But if, if you don't, you should, because Nico has a hundredth percentile in expecting expected batting average, hundredth percentile in whiff rate. He's right now the best bat to ball hitter in Major League Baseball. Nico Horner. On the Cubs, all the development, all the adjustments over the years that he went through, and he's he's peaking right now. And you saw the power in this past series, the two home runs. For me, I love seeing the power. Most impressive from Nico is the plate discipline improvements. And right now, his chase rate is better than league average. He debuted. He was an aggressive hitter. He would make contact outside this direction because he has such elite contact skills, but by doing so, shortened his at-bats. Um, didn't get enough pitches that are more suitable to power that we're seeing now. So in a couple of years ago, he was he was uh, swinging at pitches outside the strike zone with a 36% rate. Now it's a 27% rate, better than league average, which is around 29%. So this is absurd. His numbers are absurd. And he's on pace for like 60 stolen bases. His defense in the short going is in the 95th percentile for outs above average. He's one of the best players in Major League Baseball, Corey, with that attitude. 
locked up for the next four seasons. Corey, this is among all the different developments for the Cubs this season. The Bellinger, Wisdom, the starting pitching, Steel. Honestly, I think the most impressive has been Nico, the continuation of his of his plate discipline and not missing the beat out of the leadoff spot has been huge for this team. Yeah, and uh, to I, I'm seeing a question from uh, Barbara in the YouTube chat uh, asking if we agree that he is the Cubs' base best yes. base runner. Yes, yeah. uh, I believe FanGraphs, if you're looking at their metric, rates him as the best base runner. But even just the eye test, uh, the way he's been stealing bases so far this year is a, a complete game changer for him to just continue adding value to his game. Uh, but you see it in almost every game, the way that he reads the ball goes first to third. When we came into the season and talked about all the little things that the Cubs were going to need to do for this team to be competitive as a wild card team or in this division, uh, a division, which, uh, as our, our friend Niren points out is led by the Pittsburgh pirates right now, just as we all, this is everyone thought. Yeah. Um, so I think the, you just look at how Nico is doing those little things. Um, and it's really incredible, um, it's how he's doing amazing. it. And, and his base running is a huge part of that. Um, okay. the Cubs do have some good base runners, but yes, I think that, uh, uh, Nico is the best base runner. Our friend Mike Dubs in the chat here, uh, Del Metrics has him as the best base runner. Yeah. It's it's one of those occasions where the Del Metrics and the Saber Metrics align. They line up. Yes, Look at that. Nico is very good. Uh, one more thing before we hit our first ad break. Uh, I do just want to note, uh, if we're sticking with the positives, Seiya Suzuki has looked phenomenal oh, yeah. since he's come back uh, and started his season. Um, right now after Sunday's game in which, uh, he was one for four with an RBI 324 average 439 on base 441 slugging percentage, good for a 149 WRC plus or 49% better than league average. He only has the one home run, uh, but he's hitting the ball hard. He looks good. Uh, just obviously very glad to have him back and in the middle of that order and good to see him, you know, start strong, right? It's a tough thing to come back from when you don't get a full spring training. You're obviously coming back from a very sensitive and sometimes nagging injury and to see him come back, look good, look healthy, and just look good at the plate. The, the plate appearances, not only are the results really good, I just read you his stat line, but he just looks good. The eye test, he's in those at bats. He's hitting the ball hard. He looks really good, Brendan. Uh, I mean, he looks, you know, awesome. A lot of the, like, you know, I'll hit my first ad right here, but a lot of the concerns from last season was just driven by a lack of aggressiveness with pitches inside the strike zone. And then he kind of shifted a little bit as the season went along in 2022. And you're kind of seeing like a, a happy marriage of those two approaches from last season. And he's hitting the balls he needs to hit. Even in today's game, you know, a few hard hit balls, some outs, you know, if you keep doing that, he's your middle of the order lineup guy. And it's it's been really encouraging to see from Zaya. All right. Quick break here from our sponsor, DraftKings. It's NBA playoffs time. That means big hoops action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Get in on the excitement of every game with the touch of a button. New customers can make a $5 pregame money line bet and score $150 in bonus bets if their team wins. Plus, everyone can score a no-sweat same-game parlay every day during the NBA playoffs. Open the DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt-in, and place a same-game parlay in any NBA game. If it does not hit, 
you'll get a bonus bet back up to $10. Right now, uh, you know, went to college in Arizona, been following the Suns. They're right now before tomorrow's game, they are 12 point favorites. I will be hitting that 12 point line for the Suns. I think they'll blow away the Clippers. So download the app right now. Sign up with code CHGO. New customers, again, make a $5 pregame money line bet and score $150 in bonus bets if your team wins only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code CHGO. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. Eligibility restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Second break here from our sponsor, Game Time Buying Tickets. To your favorite events should not be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. They have flash deals and last-minute tickets. Again, from Arizona in college, I have friends and family who have used this app to score tickets to those Suns and Clippers series. They got tickets like within an hour of game time, apparently, and they were sending me pictures. I was a little bit jealous, but they used the game time app. So you don't have to plan months in advance for games. You can get them last second. And you know, if you download the game time app, create an account and use code CHGO, you'll not only be guaranteed the lowest price, but you'll get $20 off your first purchase again by using that code CHGO. Terms do apply. Again, create an account and redeem code CHGO for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, Brendan, we do have uh, a, an extended segment here from our friends at Game Time. Uh, I am, we're, we're calling it the Game Time event of the week. And okay. I have looked up a couple of events. Uh, from our friends at Game Time uh, that still have tickets available, have great deals available. And I want you to tell me which yeah. of the two, uh, were you in Chicago, like me, you would consider attending. Uh, okay. And those two events uh, are on Monday night, the 24th, Monday Night Raw, live <laughs> from the All-State Arena. Still great deals and tickets available on Game Time. Flash deals. Check it out, especially on Monday morning. Uh, some good tickets will be available. Uh, and then on Wednesday, the Cubs and Padres, you can watch Drew Smiley take on the Padres. Fernando Tatis is back. Sandra Bogarts, Manny Machado, and the San Diego Padres roll into town yeah. for a night game. You can get tickets on Game Time to see the Chicago Cubs and San Diego Padres for $3 on okay. Game Time right now. Brendan. Uh, yeah. $3. So yeah. about as much as it costs to take the red line to the Addison stop uh, and go to beautiful historic Wrigley Field. $3. Which, I'm which, go, which event uh, are you going to be looking at? I, I'm going to go with the wrestling, Corey. Shocking. Yeah. Just as, just as you, just as you predicted, you know, I, uh, I had that wrestling video game on the N64 when I was growing up. I forgot what it was called, but uh, yeah, I've never been to a wrestling event. Let's go. Let's do wrestling. Just as you, just as you predicted. You know, there you go. Over yeah. Nico Horner, of course. Monday, the 24th, uh, still available on game time, Monday Night Raw at the All-State Arena. As Brendan said, uh, don't forget to check out our friends at game time for those last. Are they really $3 steals. right now? Steals. On Wednesday, you can get into the Cubs game for $3. Yes. That's insane. On oh. game time. Okay. Uh, all right, Brendan. So let's talk. Uh, let's. Uh, the, the people want it, right? Like they want to talk about this roster construction. They want to talk about some of the usage here. So so far in three games against the Dodgers, uh, 
Michael Fulmer has been, you know, sort of directly responsible for two of the losses. Uh, and in the game on Sunday, he comes in in a five, three game and it is immediately no longer a five to three game, right? The Dodgers get those very important insurance runs, uh, and push that one out of reach. Now, you know, again, like, as we talked about, like this Dodgers offense has a lot of good hitters in it, right? Like getting beat by some of these guys is not the end of the world. That being said, you've talked about it a lot. Fulmer does not have swing and miss stuff. And so far in the 2023 season, he has shown you nothing to warrant getting high leverage or close game innings, right? And he also, you know, we've dealt with this somewhat in the past, right? Like when you had Craig Kimbrell, when the Cubs brought him over, you were bringing over a Hall of Fame closer, one of the best closers of all time, giving him some extended leash when he struggled, right? Made some sense, right? It's tough to pull someone with that pedigree and reputation out of a spot like that. But Michael Fulmer is not that person. You don't have to have this long of a leash with him. And I know that Sunday wasn't a closing spot, but five to three is, is a close game. Seven to three, which is what it was when he left, is not a close game, right? Uh, especially when, you know, the, the Cubs did make some noise in that uh, ninth inning against Gratterall, but like, you know, he's he's got great stuff too. And trying to score two runs off of a pitcher like that is very, very different than trying to score four runs off of a pitcher like that. So my frustration is I, 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 when I saw him go back out there today, I saw a ton of Dodgers fans on social media thrilled. That's never a good sign, Brendan. <laughs> uh, when fans of the opposing team are like, no way is he bringing this guy in again. Right. Um, and he did. And I, 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 we have talked about urgency so much in spring training and in the early going here. There is just no reason Michael Fulmer has shown you nothing to warrant being out there in high leverage moments. You have so many guys in this bullpen doing really good work. Brandon Hughes has looked lights out since he's come back and, and rejoined this team. Adbert Alzali has been good. Keegan Thompson has been lights out. I, I just don't understand running Fulmer back out there. He should be in the lowest leverage roles right now until he proves otherwise. It it feels insane to keep doing that. Who else do you put in that situation? So for, for me, like I don't have an obvious one. If seriously for you, Corey, who would you rather take that ninth inning role right now? Alzali? Keegan? Anyone? <laughs> anyone. I, I mean okay. literally anyone but Michael Fulmer. So I mean he has like it, an eight and a half ERA, man. I like, know. You don't have the time for this. Like I if understand. he's not getting it done, you have to move on. This isn't, like I said, this is not a guy with a hall of fame pedigree here. Like there's no reason to have this much deference to him. This was the concern going into the year. You want a high leverage guy with a track record of getting swings and misses, right? They have a ton of potential guys. And I love that. I love their bullpen as a group. I love their depth. I love the triple A guys. I was a little aggressive going into the year. I'm like, you know what? Just call up Jeremiah Strader from day one. Forget it. Right. Like if you're going to try, you have to hit on all the margins for this team to make the playoffs, right? So 
you can have one idea with Fulmer and his new sweeper as being one of the extremes, or you just go with the established stuff guy in Jeremiah Estrada with that 80 grade fastball, which is like hundredth percentile, and that like 70 grade slider, which is 95th percentile, and just go with it. I understand some of these guys are young, they need development time, but if you want to hit on the extremes, Jeremiah Estrada is the biggest extreme in that bullpen. Now, that's not realistic for many young guys and prospects, perhaps a little bit over ambitious. I understand that. So then you have to go to the alternative. And the alternative is you have Fulmer, you have Boxberger, you have Keegan, you have Azalei. That's who you have to start the season. Hughes might be a guy. Hughes is a little bit, uh, he's been awesome. But in terms of like a closer situation, that stuff is just not many guys have that type of stuff. So it's hard to project. Uh, so from the group of Azalei, Keegan, Fulmer and Boxberger, who do I like the most? I like Azalei the most in that spot because he has a history of getting whiffs with that slider. So I would have preferred those two guys to get the initial opportunities. Yeah. That being said, though, Corey, once Fulmer came out to start the season and he was throwing that new sweeper, which is grading among the best sweepers from a just movement and stuff perspective in the league, it did pique my interest. And I did understand the thinking of giving him those opportunities since then, since seeing him debut that sweeper in his first two outings, the command has not been good. He's been getting the whiffs, but the command with the four seam fastball has been missing up. His command with the cutter has been missing leaky in. And you saw David Peralta hit him in that first uh, blown save. And you saw David Peralta hit him again with these kind of like blue pits. And then you see the home runs coming. Is the command that's driving Fulmer's lack of success? But then you two have to you think in the back of your mind, if that sweeper is not perfected, right? then his future as a closer is probably pretty slim. So then maybe you just want to be a little bit more urgent and to your point, put him in lower leverage situations and give someone else an opportunity. If I had a pick right now, I'd probably pick Alzelay on the roster to get that opportunity, but you can make an argument that maybe he's not the right guy. And it also shows a lack of urgency and the real true candidate right now is Jeremiah Estrada for this team. You believe that I think since spring training, um, you know, for me, like in the, the loss, you know, where, uh, Outman hits the grand slam, you walk Jason Hayward in front of him. Like, that's just one of those things where it's just like, you know, that it's, it's just a really telling thing, right? Like you walked a guy that has a 190 batting average in Hayward and then can't execute pitches against one of the hottest rookies in the league in James Outman. It just doesn't yeah. look good. The process is bad. His feel looks off. And as Kevin Wells, uh, our wonderful uh, producer from CHGO says in the chat here, uh, this is what I was going to say. I felt the same on Sunday today as I did in that Keegan. first loss uh, yeah. against the Dodgers on the road just let Keegan finish the game. He, he yeah. threw, I believe it was 28 pitches in two innings of work and he can go longer than that. It's not like those were long taxing innings. He looks good. Only two innings, 28 pitches. Just let him finish the game. You're down by two runs anyway. Like, yeah, his use has been weird, right? 
he's not going more than two innings. He only yeah, went more than I, I two just don't, April 3rd. I felt that exact same way in the walk-off win that the Dodgers had in Los Angeles. Um, you know, and that one, to be fair to Fulmer, was a, a sort of a, he doesn't have a ton of swing and miss stuff. So not a lot of hard contact, but they find holes and that's how you give up runs, right? When yeah. these guys put the ball in place, sometimes good things happen or bad things happen, depending on your perspective. Uh, but I, I felt the same way in that game. Like Keegan was rolling. Just let him finish the game. I, I'm just not sure. I, I think my biggest problem with the usage is this sort of insistence that Fulmer has to be in these spots. You know, yeah. the last several times he's been used, they're close games. The game is on the line. Like today, it's not a closing spot. It's not a tie game. But like I said, there is a huge difference in trying to score four runs off of someone that has the stuff like Bruce or Gratterall versus trying to score two runs. Yeah. And we're going to get to how David Ross handled that particular bottom of the ninth and how they could have executed that. But like you had the bases loaded and one out. If that's a two-run game, like maybe the strategy is different. Maybe not because David Ross certainly isn't playing for four runs by leaving Nick Madrigal up there. But again, yeah. we'll get to that. Anyway, it, the the key point, and you're seeing this a lot on social media, is just that this is not an elite, elite roster for the Chicago Cubs, right? This is not a juggernaut of a team. This is not a team that can just relax and basically just stroll their way into 90 plus wins. We've again, always, it's easy to go back to the 2016 Chicago Cubs. That one of those series. series. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But that roster, again, we talked about this last time that roster had Joe Madden doing all sorts of things, right? Playing catchers in left field, having three catchers. Once Wilson Contreras came up doing all sorts of stuff, but they could afford that stuff because that roster was so good. It was so much better than everybody else. They could afford to try stuff out and see what happens. This team can't afford that. They need yeah. urgency. Michael Fulmer is not a high pedigree closer. He's a former starter turned into a relief pitcher. I think he's got interesting stuff and maybe he can round it into form with that sweeping slider that you've talked about, but he has already been involved in multiple losses for you on this team in close games. You cannot afford that stuff. You have to have a quick hook on these types of things. This team does not have the luxury for them to sit around and say, well, you know, we want to give Fulmer the opportunity and see if he can round into our closer. You don't have time for it. You just don't have time for it. It's a competitive division, even if it's not a loaded one, right? Like you figure the Cardinals get on track a little bit at some point. The Brewers have gotten off to a hot start. I don't expect the Pittsburgh Pirates to be there in the end, but they've gotten off to a hot start. You have got to be more aggressive with yeah. some of this stuff. And I'm not even sitting here saying, oh, DFA, Fulmer, get him out of here. But in the, in the ninth inning of a two-run game against this Dodgers lineup, after the Grand Slam to Outman after walking Hayward the other night, after losing the one in Los Angeles, how many games you're 12 and nine, how many games are you going to let Michael Fulmer have such a, a huge weight in? It doesn't make any sense. He just isn't that good of a pitcher to warrant this level of like, we got to get Fulmer in there. Right? Like I just, it, it just is odd to me. Yeah. Like let Keegan finish the game, man. 28 pitches. Keegan I Thompson's did. been the dog all year. Just let him do it. I, we have a comment here from Evil Wax uh, 73. Interesting name, by the way. So uh, Alzali can't get lefties out. This is uh, what Evil Wax 73 said. 
totally told this is this has been true this has been alzali's achilles heel 100 percent accurate with that however within the last year and a half or so he's been working on changing sequencing and developing pitch types to attack those lefties the one pitch type he's been developing and you're seeing it impressively used quite often is that cutter He's using that cutter 20% of the time, and the majority of those cutters are against the lefties. He did not have that pitch two seasons ago. That's a new pitch. The intention was to use that against left-handed batters, and you saw him debut that when he came back from injury last season. Now, it's possible, which I also think is interesting, if you use like Alzali and Hughes in that game-ending fireman role, that's interesting. Because if you're a little bit concerned about the lefties, which I understand, then you can complement Alzali's stuff against righties and maybe time it up appropriately to have Hughes come in in the same inning or within the final two innings. I like that idea. Ultimately, I hate all of this, though, because I wish we had a bona fide closer that sure. could get whiffs. And yeah, sure. it's upset. And this leads to the other conversation before I do the ad break, but we're also, we see comments too. And I totally understand when people don't think this team is a playoff team, but baseball is the dumbest sport in the world. It's the dumbest sport because you can't predict this stuff. Right now, the Cubs are predicted to win 80 games, but those projections, 70% of the teams by the end of the year fall within plus six or minus six wins of those projections. So it's realistic at this point, the Cubs can finish as an 86-win team, and that's a playoff team. It's also realistic they finish as a 74-win team, right? But you're in the conversation now. So you have to, as someone within the organization, associate the risk of going forward and being more urgent with maybe the 2024 and 2025 plans. But Theo Epstein taught us, man, every season is sacred, and you have yeah. a group of core veterans right now they're performing quite well cody well, and, bellinger is hitting all cylinders right. so for me let's go put yeah and the i, pedal I, to I the think metal. again i think you know this is this is the discussion it's 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 not about us expecting them to be a playoff team or uh you know kind of operating as though they they must be it's that you're off to a, a 12 and 9 start right you know, coming into this Dodger series, you've taken two of three from them on the road. You've swept a bad Oakland team and you're coming into this weekend where, you know, after Friday, you've now beaten Julio Urias, one of the best pitchers in the game twice. And that doesn't make them a playoff team, but it puts you in a position where, Hey, you're, you're 12 and nine, you've gotten off to a good start. If you are aggressive with some of this stuff and maybe you hit on some roster changes and calling guys up or putting guys in different roles, you have the opportunity to maybe raise those projections and take advantage of a hot start. And as you said, Brendan, there were a lot of question marks coming in. Like for now, you know, it's obviously still early. We haven't even had a full month of baseball, but you look at some of the things that the Cubs are getting. The Cubs are getting a 158 WRC plus from Patrick Wisdom right? They're getting a 150 WRC plus from Cody Bellinger. Say a Suzuki has started yeah. the season exactly like we all hoped him to. I mean, Nico so Horner's going to win MVP. stuff is happening. And if you have a chance to address the stuff that isn't working I know. and be Let's aggressive go. with it and fix That's it, what I'm maybe saying, this man. team can continue yeah. to do things well and sneak yeah. into a playoff spot, 100%, right? 100%. So it's, it, that's, that's why the urgency is important. If you just yeah. sit there and do nothing, then yeah, maybe it's just going to continue to have some of the same issues. But 
when you're you are off to a good start, you have the chance to capitalize on those things. And you just look at like the top of the Cubs order. I think I saw this in the YouTube comments earlier. Like you look at Nico, Dansby, Bellinger, Hap, Saya, like Dansby has a 118 WRC plus right now. Um, you know, it, it hasn't been the best stretch for him, but he's still hitting 299 with a 413 on base. Uh, he's not slugging yet, but you assume that power comes. And so the, the first half of your order looks great. Like yeah. it looks like the highest possible outcome. I think I saw a friend of the podcast, Michael Cerami from Bleacher Nation tweet the other day, like that the Cubs are getting 99th percentile. Yeah, that's where I got that number. I'm like, did I, see, did I hear that somewhere? Yes. Yeah. Uh, friend of the podcast, Michael Cerami. Shout out. Uh, several players, they are hitting on that highest percentile outcome right now. If you can fix some of the other stuff, like you have to try to capitalize on that, right? Like what if yeah. you have Cody Bellinger playing at maybe not an MVP pace, but something like it, all-star yeah. pace, you have to capitalize on that. Like that was one of the biggest question marks. So 100%. that's why we talk about stuff like Fulmer. That's why we're going to talk about some of this other roster stuff after we get back from this ad break here. Yeah. And before I do this ad break, Marcus Halliman, one of our commenters, by the way, great profile pick. Love the jersey. Love that World Series trophy from 2016. That's actually the Chicago, the Chicago Cubs, Cubs one. The Chicago yes. Cubs won that. So thank you, Marcus, for always reminding us there. Uh, but one of your suggestions were it's too early to say that this is a playoff team and that we should wait till the All-Star break. It's it's I told first off, I totally understand that, right? Like I'm not gonna bet that this team's gonna make the playoffs. Uh, but I'm also not gonna bet that they will miss the playoffs because baseball is so stupid. And that's kind of the point I'm driving home at. It was a few seasons ago that the that the San Francisco Giants won like what almost 110 games, and you get some of these extreme outcomes happen. And from my perspective, and I try to understand why their projections hated the Cubs going into the year, I understood that most of those down projections were from the pitching side, and some of the hitting side projections are also pretty down too, but they hated Drew Smiley, hated Justin Steele, didn't really trust Tyon to make those adjustments, and I understood that, but then you're starting to see all this come together, and you have to, in your mind, for me at least, shift the way I think about the Cubs going forward, and the projections right now are still not even taking into account some of those changes that we saw Justin Steele make and Keegan Thompson make with the sliders and Patrick Wisdom perhaps making with the contact rate and Cody Bellinger getting back. It's perhaps not even weighing that appropriately yet, and you're still like an 81 projection team at this point. So that's why I think this team is a potential playoff team, and it's not for me. I don't want to wait till the All-Star break. I want to wait. No more than tomorrow. Let's make these moves now and get these guys up. All right. Let me do this ad break here before we get too much down this rabbit hole. So break here from our sponsor, Shady Rays. Take on the sun with gear built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered for the warm weather ahead with premium polarized shades at an affordable price. Shady Rays is an independent sunglass company that offers a world-class world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair we've worn. Durable frames and extremely clear optics from outdoor adventures. That's not all. Shady Rays 
offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. Wear your shady race with confidence because they have your back long after your purchase. Together with their customers, Shady Rays is providing much-needed support to nonprofit partners from across the U.S. through Shady Rays Impact. From building playsets for pediatric cancer patients to providing young adults with MS, the outdoor adventure of a lifetime, Shady Rays is making an impact in your community and others like it now and for years to come. If you don't like your Shady Rays, exchange for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop. Their team always has your back. Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com. Use code CHGO for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself. The shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. Another break here from our sponsor, Foco. Get fitted out in the best sports gear around. They have hoodies, shoes, signs, bobbleheads, and everything in between. It's now baseball season. If you want to get out during the summer in your Aloha shirt, they have tons of Aloha shirts. If you want to match Ryan Herrera's Hawaiian shirts, go to Foco. Get an Aloha shirt. They also have straw hats. Let's say you're in your bleachers with Cody Del Mendo on a weekend Saturday game. Get your straw hat. Protect yourself. Also, maybe those shady gray sunglasses to protect against the sun as well. Also, they have polos, bags, everything you need for a game. Also, they've given us some set decorations. I saw some bobbleheads. They have a Nico bobblehead, I believe. And they've donated a several pieces that I hope to see when I, once I get out to Chicago sometime soon. Check out foco.com or click the link in the description below for all non-presale items. Use code CHGO for 10% off. All right, Brendan, I, I do want to mention, uh, as you, you know, we, we saw the diehard graphic for allchgo.com, go up there, uh, become a diehard member with CHGO Sports. And I do want to mention uh, that on Thursday, the 27th at Joe's on Weed Street, uh, the CHGO Bears crew is having their live draft party. Uh, so be sure to check that out. Information is on the CHGO Sports Twitter, CHGO Bears uh, Twitter, allchgo.com. Should be a great event. Obviously, uh, a big draft for the Chicago Bears. Uh, it'll be a great event. The pregame uh, that we did for the CHGO Cubs podcast on opening day was a great time. It was a pleasure to meet so many of you that are in this YouTube chat today and podcast listeners for many, many years. Uh, so if you are a Bears fan and ready for the draft on Thursday, be sure to check out uh, the draft event that the CHGO Bears crew is putting on on Thursday. It's some really good discussion uh, in the YouTube chat. Um, if you're listening on the podcast feed, uh, obviously appreciate you. know you're listening later and, and have gotten a lot of great feedback on, on Twitter from so many listeners. Uh, but it is cool to have this kind of like live feedback, just some really great discussion. Um, I, I, I saw a point from uh, Kobe Vasquez earlier. I think the point is that they can be a playoff team, but every win matters early in this year. And I think there that's kind go. of a, a very good and simple, yep. simple way to put it. Like every win matters. And it, it may seem like nitpicking certain things and um, getting into the weeds, even sometimes after they win, being frustrated by some of these little things, but every win matters and yeah. every little decision matters. This Cubs team has to nail the margins uh, of this roster and of every game. Um, and to uh, the follow-up comment from our, our friend Grapefruit in the YouTube comments, he said, um, 
you know, Corey and Brendan debated Fulmer a lot, but you have to think about the manager who keeps using him as well. That's what it is. Um, I'm, I, like I said, I'm not saying to get rid of Fulmer. Like I, I think, um, you know, there's stuff there and there's a possibility that he can round into form. Um, but yeah, like David Ross is the one, unless there is a directive from above that he must be in the ninth inning or in high leverage or close games, David Ross is the one that, you know, has to be responsible for these decisions. Fernando Rodriguez, thank you thank for the you, 199 Fernando. Super Chat. Uh, thank you for today's show. You guys are great. We appreciate you, Fernando. See Fernando in the live chat uh, all the time, uh, even with our guys, Luke, Cody, Ryan, during the week. Uh, appreciate all of you. Roster optimization. Let's keep it going, right? Nice. Um, so today was weird. Sunday was weird, the way that that plays out. Um, you have... Uh, a ninth inning where the bases end up loaded um, against Brewster Gratterall, a very hard-throwing right-handed pitcher. Uh, Luis Torrens allowed to stay Good in guy. there and take an at-bat. Uh, and Nick Madrigal grounding into the game-ending double play Oof. as a righty. Ian Happ, one of the better left-handed hitting players in the, the league at this point, uh, sitting on the bench, perhaps a, a true off day. Uh, I believe our guy, Jared Willis, was at the game today. I have not heard if there was another explanation. So as we record this, I am assuming the answer is that he just wanted a full off day for Ian Happ, right? And sometimes we hear that, right? If there's another reason, I, I have not heard it yet. We're recording this right after the game. Uh, but also, Edwin Rios, you're down four runs with the bases loaded, and you have basically a boom or bust left-handed hitter sitting on your bench who has 20 plate appearances all season. And now, to his credit, uh, I think after today, Madrigal has fallen below league average in terms of WRC plus by like 5%. Uh, he's looked pretty solid to start the year in the role that they're using him, making contact, has been getting hits, you know, I think looking somewhat like the player you'd like him to be um, in little spurts, right? But against a hard-throwing righty with two outs and the bases loaded when you're down four runs, when you have multiple powerful left-handed bats just sitting on your bench. I mean, what what are we doing here, right? And when we're talking about some of the roster construction, you know, we've been into the issue with, you know, Hosmer and Mancini. We talked about that last week. It gets talked about a lot. I don't want to belabor those points. Uh, but having them both on the roster, playing them both, sometimes DHing one of them, it, you know, is what it is. It's a discussion point. Uh, but like, I, I just can't, I can't stomach this Torrens thing anymore. I, I just can't. It, it's, it's one of those things where maybe they see something in him. He doesn't have any options. Maybe you want the catching depth in case, you know, you've got two old catchers in Gomes and, uh, Tucker Barnhart. Maybe you want that catching depth and they see something in Torrens' bat, et cetera, et cetera. They don't have the luxury for it, Brendan. The roster's not good enough. They, this is not a, a team that has the luxury of carrying a third catcher that can't hit, at least has not shown the ability to hit. He's been below replacement level in multiple seasons at the MLB level dating back to 2017. He's got a 70 WRC plus on the season so far for the Cubs. He has shown nothing. They don't have the luxury to be DHing someone like that. And 
everybody's going to have different feelings on Madrigal, right? I did not think he should have taken that at bat on Gratterall. When he's been hitting pretty well, I think that does have a role, and I understand that they want to keep that kind of contact bat. I don't think they've overused him to the point that I'm like angry about it. And he's been hitting the ball, seeing the ball pretty well. He's been fine at third base. I I think it's fine. Right. But guys, when you have someone who has contributed to this team at the major league level before hitting 333 with a 1214 OPS homering literally every single day, at Iowa and Christopher Morell, it to me is malpractice to DH <laughs> Luis Torrance. It yeah. just is. I'm sorry. And I liked the power and potential with Edwin Rios. He has 20 plate appearances. They're not using him. What yeah. are you doing if he's not going to play? That's not even getting into Matt Mervis, right? Matt Mervis has a 986 OPS. He's got several homers. He's hitting 288. He had a great weekend. Uh, that's a whole separate thing. But if it's about playing time and where they're going to play or play defensively, you're, you're DHing Luis Torrens. Let them DH. If it's about their development, I know they want Morel to be more consistent with the K rate and stuff like that. But again, like every win is precious. And right now we just went through it, right? You have a top, the, the top several hitters in this order, Bellinger, Wisdom, Hap, Saya, Nico, Dansby all well above league average performers right now. They're doing really well. The bottom of your lineup outside of some of the games where Jan Gomes has hit a gomer, as our friend Ryan Herrera likes to say, is awful. It's killing you. Your bench is killing you. I understand all of the argument. I, I know how options work. I know how putting guys through waivers work. I know about Morel's K rate or being careful. I read Patrick Mooney's piece at The Athletic about you know, Matt Mervis's development and the timing of it all and how they're going to, they want to see things out with guys that they brought in. Every win is precious, man. And you've got guys killing it at Iowa. They are looking like they are above the level, right? And you're just, just sitting here with guys that just aren't good. Luis Torrance has not shown anything at the MLB level to warrant still being on this team. If this is 2016 and you have that loaded roster they, and you want to, when the series. Cubs won the world series, okay, if you want to sure. sneak yeah. a guy like Luis Torrens in there, because you believe in the bat, you saw a sample last year that you believe in. And you think that that might be a thing you want the catching depth. Fine. The 2023 Cubs can't afford it, man. They need more offense on this team. They need a better bench. This front office has got to be aggressive and David Ross mismanaged that ninth inning. On Sunday, I, I'm a firm believer in that. Unless there is a strong reason that Ian Happ couldn't have taken that at bat, you let Ian Happ hit left-handed against Gratterall with the bases loaded, down four, or you let Edwin Rios do it. You do not let Nick Madrill take that at bat because that double play there is exactly what was going to happen. Yeah, uh, this, this is always a delicate situation because us two fans talking about it, we're going to do the craziest stuff to get the wins, right? Like we want to win right now, today the argument that why these guys are not up is because they're looking at both today and tomorrow and years to come and all that right they want morale to play every day they want mervis to own in on some of the developmental things he needs to work on right nelson velasquez made me get everyday playing time blah 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 i 
I understand all of that. I also understand as you and I have been doing this now for eight years, Corey, I remember the conversations about Jorge Soler and Javi Baez in 2015 and 2016. I remember all the different uh, lineup iterations with uh, Joe Madden and Ian Happ playing center field and second base and first base. I remember all of this. And ultimately, what ended up happening in 2019 and 2020 was that Jed Hoyer, Theo Epstein said, in hindsight, they waited too long to make the decisions they needed to make for some of these young guys. There is no obvious decision here on what is the best path forward, right? And with Mervis and Morell, and in the context of seeing Torrens on this roster, I have to ask myself the question, what is riskier? Is there more risk involved for this season and the next season by calling up Nelson Velasquez and just getting rid of Torrens? What is the bigger risk? Well, you can think, okay, if you DFA Torrens, then you lack that catching depth. You do have two older catchers. Torrens did hit 15 home runs two seasons ago in 374 uh, plate appearances. He has some history now with his pitching rotation over the past couple months. That's probably the thinking process. But then, okay, what else do you have in the minors that could boost that, right? That's kind of pro that's the thinking of why he's on this team. Then you can also look at it a little bit differently, right? Let's say you have guys who are on this roster like Nelson Velasquez, like Christopher Morel, in those situations that are high leverage, down by one run, down by two runs, all of a sudden you're up by three runs, you're up by four runs, you're up by five runs. You put Fulmer in lower leverage situations because you're winning games, you're up ahead a little bit more, and you can actually benefit from other guys' development because you're putting away teams. So in my mind right now, I'm willing to accept the risk and sacrificing catching depth and maybe having to rely on an accelerated Miguel Amaya timeline in the minors, which is pretty risky at this point. I understand all of that, but I'm not willing to accept giving uh, Torrens high leverage at bats. I'm not willing to yeah. accept that the best thing for this team is for Nelson Velasquez to get daily playing time in AAA, especially with the log jam of that Cubs outfield prospect pipeline. There's no certainty that Nelson Velasquez is even going to be an everyday player for this Cubs major league team. Let's win as many games right now. Let's get these guys up. Let's reward their development. And let's make this a serious competition, man. I don't see the seriousness of Torrens taking these at-bats. And I'm going to lose my damn mind if I keep seeing this, man. Because there's, there, there's, there's a weird mix of urgency and lack of urgency. And I'm just like so fed up with it. And there is no obvious path forward, man. We've seen it in years past. There's been mistakes made. And let's just go full throttle and give these guys every opportunity. And sometimes, you know what? Morel took hold of that last season. He had one of the best seasons for a Cubs rookie in a long time. You never know what happens when, we, when you reward these young guys. A switch changes and it's beneficial to both the team and uh, the player himself. Yeah, so our, our friend Jared Willis was at the game for allchgo.com today, uh, and he just put up a piece at allchgo.com uh, talking about the offense and some of the early trends. And he he he, he makes, uh, you know, some good points in there. I would encourage you to check it out. Again, allchgo.com. Um, and, and one of those was that, you know, even on their bad days, the Cubs are scoring runs. And I think they've shown you that as an offense, they're – 
uh, frustrating. They've been running up pitch counts of, of starting pitchers, getting into bullpens early, making contact, stealing bases. They're pesky, right? And even in a, a loss like this, a couple of these games with the Dodgers have gotten out of hand late, but a lot of these games have been close right? Against good teams. They had won four series in a row uh, and they were in these games against the Dodgers. Uh, and they've shown you as a team pitching and on offense that they can compete with teams. They they can battle. They are they don't look outmatched against anyone that they have played so far in the 2023 season. Um, and I, I think there's a lot to be very encouraged on that. Even if like the end of this podcast, and it's been debated, it's all over social media, any other podcast you listen to, I'm sure they're having a lot of these same discussions and they're probably pretty angry about Fulmer or Torrens or, you know, the like, something like that. But I think 12 and nine and those things on offense are very encouraging and how competitive the Cubs have looked is very encouraging, but that's also where it turns to urgency. These were winnable games this weekend and they didn't win them. And you don't feel like they didn't win them because Dansby Swanson let you down or, you know, Marcus Stroman finally has one bad start. You feel like they lost these games because some of these other things, there's just not that urgency to really maximize this roster. And I, I think clean up uh, some of those things and, you know, maybe, some of these guys come up and struggle. Maybe it, it's not all a perfect answer, but I think you just like to see them be more aggressive and make better decisions. Um, I see it in the chat a lot. Like some of this is, is on David Ross. Some of this is on the roster construction. Um, it's, it's nuanced. It's not black and white, but again, I think overall, I remain rather encouraged, you know, at this start 12 and nine is a very good place to be. Oh, for uh, sure. You don't have to play the Dodgers anymore, um, who are, you know, again, not the same version of themselves that we've seen in years past, but still a very good team. Um, and I, 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 I remain rather encouraged, uh, about how this team has start. And I think, again, that's where these kind of passioned conversations come from. We, they look good. They're doing a lot of really good things. It feels good to have these conversations. Yeah. They're, they're yeah. competitive. Again, they lost today because Max Muncie, JD Martinez and Mookie Betts hit home runs. It happens, right? It There's definitely worse ways to lose, but you feel like they're right in it. And so you want them to capitalize on that and go for that. I want to wrap up shortly here, but I do want to give you a second to talk about Hayden Wisniewski. I know it's oh, yeah. out of context Whoops. here, but you did have uh, did. something you wanted to show. So I completely forgot about the, that. The pitch lab with Dr. Brendan Miller here <laughs> as we sign off, uh, at, you know, as we're over an hour here, I did, I did want to give you a shot yeah. at that. Well, I mean, a lot's been going on. So, you know, Hayden kind of got put on the back burner, but uh, Stephen, if you have that figure out, look at that. Perfect. So a lot of, uh, concern perhaps maybe is a strong word but i think some people do have concern about hayden's inconsistency to start the season did see some comments maybe you should go back down to iowa to work on things right this is not to reduce hayden's problems down to one single thing but one of the obvious differences from last season to now is that his four seam fastball looks different is it significantly different is it dramatically different is it reason to be concerned absolutely not but it is different and i'm wondering if it's something that can be worked on 
Hayden has talked about his four seam needing to be at least league average. And what you're looking at here, if you're following on YouTube, is black dots and red dots. Black dots represent his four seam fastball from 2022. The red dots represent his four seam fastball from 2023. What you'll notice is that red dots, that pitch moving through the strike zone, has more tailing action on it. This is his actual data animated. And you're also noticing that red dot, that 2023 four seam, looks as if it's going down in the strike zone more because it is. Now, those two pitches end up in the exact same location, but there's more leaky action on that red forcing because it has about two inches of more vertical break and has about two inches more of horizontal movement. This means you're going to get some pitch types that leak over the zone, find the barrel of certain bats, and that's not good for Hayden overall. That's going to make his forcing grade worse than last season. Now, this is different from talking about his overall command with his uh, sweeper, which has not been there. Maybe some uh, uh, annoyances about his pitch sequencing and the lack of cutter usage. This is all under the context that he's not having that feel right now. That's a general way of putting it. Am I concerned? No. I mean, when you look at the type of stuff he has, you have to default to that recent history of success because of that stuff. Now, is there a possibility he may need to go to Iowa to work on some stuff? Absolutely, of course. And that's up to the Cubs to determine what the best path forward is. But one of the reasons that I think you're seeing some of the early season struggles is that command has not been good. I'm wondering, who knows? I don't know. I'm wondering if the command is a byproduct of the four seam just being slightly off, maybe due to some mechanical issue, or maybe because Hayden is just missing his command with his fastball and the underlying missing on his command is leading to those different pitch metrics that you see on this four seam. But nevertheless, what we do know is his sweeper, his slider, his stuff ultimately looks very similar to last year. That's slightly different. That's being confounded by significant command problems. And so that needs to be ironed out. I hope it gets ironed out. And I have a lot of confidence. Hayden's one of those unique psycho pitchers. I have a ton of confidence that he will be exhausting every resource and thought possible to get back on track. And as a fan personally, I hope it is at the big league level because I enjoy watching Hayden. Even when he's struggling, I do know that he's trying every single thing. And I enjoy as a fan watching that type of attitude. It's also uh, a little easier, obviously, to allow your young fifth starter to take his lumps and develop and, and work on things when the veteran left-hander you signed to be your number four starter has been lights out in his last yeah. few starts and dating back to last year, like Drew Smiley has. Uh, we do have to get out of here, uh, but I, I do also want to note, just for reference, and I'm not suggesting it has anything to do with Hayden. I'm just pointing it out from our guy, Jared, who was at... Uh, Wrigley Field again on Sunday. Uh, Kyle Hendricks threw 47 pitches in his most recent side session, and the team says he is slated to throw. Maybe again uh, Hendricks Tuesday, can close. Possibly <laughs> on track to you know get out there and have a rehab start. You know in the nearish future. Um, I do want to note uh, again. You can follow our guy Jared Willis uh, at J Willis J W Y L L Y S on Twitter. Again, check out his piece today at allchjoe.com. Check out the Bears draft party at Joe's on Weed this Thursday. Information at allchgo.com, chgo Sports Twitter, chgo Bears Twitter. 
don't forget to use that code CHGO when you sign up and download the DraftKings app, DraftKings, the top rated sports book in America. We appreciate you guys joining us. Thank you, the guys. The CHGO Cubs crew will be back tomorrow afternoon. Luke, Cody, and I believe joined by our guy Ryan Herrera, who will be back. The Cubs are off on Monday, so enjoy your off day. They return for two night games on Tuesday and Wednesday against the Padres, the finale, a day game on Thursday, and then they head to Miami for three. So be prepared next weekend to adjust to those East Coast times. A little earlier in Chicago, very early for one Dr. Brendan Miller out in California. The Cubs drop the finale on Sunday. They lose three of four to the Los Angeles Dodgers to drop the season series. They had won uh, four series in a row, but that streak comes to an end. They look to pick that up uh, starting on Tuesday against the Padres. The CHO Cubs crew will have your pre and post game needs throughout the week. Brendan and I will be back with you next Sunday. As always, we appreciate your support. We thank you for joining us. Talk to you again soon. And as always, Go Cubs.